Hello, I'm Jerome Whittingham. I'm the editor of HowIsThis.News, and I suppose I have to say these days that I used to be a photographer, because in this lockdown, I'm not allowed anywhere near anybody uh, or any group with, uh, with my camera. Hopefully that'll come back soon. Hey, um, high five to you all. This is actually our fifth co-produced podcast with the Yada Yada Spoken Word Group. So uh, let me introduce their leader, their, their convener, their voice. Um, <laughs> high five to Alice Godber. Oh, thank you. High fives. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Five podcast episodes. Five podcasts. So we're five wow. podcasts um, old. And you, you've just um, had a bit of a significant birthday as well, haven't you? Yes, I just had my 21st in lockdown. How did it go? It was better than I expected. It was better than I expected. Uh, my mum tried her best to sort of make it special, but obviously we didn't have the party or the friends. I just had my mum and a partner. <laughs> did you drink lots of fizzy stuff and spin around until you were sick? I, I, did, I did drink a lot of fizzy stuff and I also made cocktails. Oh, right. Okay. And what about a cake? Did you have a nice birthday cake? I think we did. I think we did. What, what, what did you no, think? No, no, yeah, had? we did. Well, we did. What, what sort of cake did you have? Nice Victoria sponge. Nice Victoria sponge. Ooh, Victoria. Icing. And what did that smell like? What did it smell like? The cake? Yeah. Um, as cakey. <laughs> but you can, you can remember Strawberry. The... Strawberries, jammy. jammy. You can see yeah, you, you can sort of savor the smells. There was still, like a yeah. bit of buttercream, like smells there. So it smelled delicious. If, if I'm honest, all I could really smell was the candles after I'd blown them out. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, that that sounds all right. You can still smell. That's okay. That's that's good. I think you've yes, passed that. Yes. Test. Excellent. Okay. Um, let me say a big high five to a special um, professional writer guest. He was with us for our last episode. It's a big high five to Mr. Dave Windass. High five back at you, Jerome. Thanks for having me along again. Oh, it's lovely that you've come back. It went really, really well last time, Dave, so I'm glad you've been able to come back. Well, it's lovely, and hasn't a fortnight flown by? Hasn't it just? When I say it went really well, um, basically nobody wrote in and complained. So, you know, it's nice that you're still with us. So you're, you're a keen chef as well, aren't you? you? You do a lot of cooking at home, don't you, Dave? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just come out of the kitchen. Actually, that's why I was a bit late joining uh, before before you started. Um, yeah, I, I'm cooking a lot. I'm big. I'm making a lot of chapatis. So I've got a ten kilogram bag of uh, chapati flour from um, the Indian and Continental Spice Shop on Princess Avenue, Ooh. and I'm working my way through it rapidly. Uh, and what do you put on your chapatis, Dave? Something sort of spicy and aromatic, is it perhaps? Well. Yeah, for a kind of multifunctional flatbread, aren't they? So um, yeah, I like to dip them in curry, but um, yeah, anything really. Yeah, yeah. Could have a sausage in there if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did you have on your chapati tonight then? <laughs> Actually, I, I didn't have uh, any chapati tonight. Uh, yeah. I've just had um, a, a, a minced uh, beef stir fry. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what, did that smell good? <laughs> yeah, we're into the sensory detail tonight. Uh, it was quite aromatic, yes. Uh, there was some Chinese five spice in there that kind of hung in the air. Oh, that, that's excellent. So I think you've passed the test as well, Dave, so you can stay with us. That's good, yeah. Um, right, come on, we must crack on. Uh, we've got a, a little lineup. Who have we got lined up uh, this evening, Alice? Um, tonight we've got myself, uh, Megan, Tom, Catherine, Esther, Rebecca, and possibly Emily. 
possibly Emily. Um, so uh, let's. Um, any predictions, maybe, uh, from Alice and Dave? Any predictions as to what the themes might be this evening? Getting a bit of sensory. Feel like sensory is cropping up a little bit. What about yourself, yeah. Dave? What, what's your sort of? It'd be good to cover the five senses. I think people are maybe going to start making a shout for freedom as well, possibly. Oh, yes, yeah. Because are we in lockdown or are we? is this episode five in a sort of eased lockdown? Stay alert. Just stay alert, yeah. Let's just stay alert. <laughs> okay, Alice, um, let's stay alert with our first invited poet. Who have we got? Myself. <laughs> of course it is. Yes, you always um, start, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've got... Um, three sharp poems that I'd like to read. This first one is a bit of an old one. Um, but I was talking to one of my friends re um, recently whose dad had passed away, and I'd written this for him a couple of months ago. It's called uh, Your Dad Deserves Tears. Your dad deserves tears. Both our fathers do. But I'm here to support you. I feel weathered by my grief. But yours is so raw, so fresh, so new. The days must be so hard. But your dad deserves tears. You say you aspire to be a better person like me. Friend, don't aspire to be like me. You're already so genuine, so kind, so pure. I can't believe the way we flow. The way our tears flow. Your dad deserves tears. Both our fathers do. Grief, their presence, their love, their life, is a whole which will never be replaced. I've got you. Your dad deserves tears. I enjoy our phone chats, hours at once. Time is nothing. I help you forget, in a good way. You help me forget too. I love you. Best friend, always. Your dad deserves tears. And this next one I wrote is, it's called Milestone. And it's about all of the milestones that you reach in your life. And it sort of makes you reflect on the people um, who aren't there anymore. A whole chapter without you. Each milestone I reach. Birthdays, celebrations. They are harsh reminders. But I am trying my best. I want you to be proud. A whole chapter with you not here. Days, weeks, years. Graduation. You should be there. But you never saw me start. Maybe that's what hurts the most. A new chapter begins. You are my inspiration. I'm so proud to be your daughter. I wish you could be by my side to see me flourish and grow. Thank you for teaching me so much. And then um, this final one I wrote a couple of days ago. It's, um, it's about how you sort of have all of these little regrets when someone passes away and um, you sort of wish that even if you did say goodbye to them, the the goodbye is never as perfect as you would have wanted it to be and you have like an idea of the perfect goodbye even though just the idea of a perfect goodbye is actually pretty impossible um so it goes 
I didn't give you a perfect goodbye. I should have stood up as you left. Wrap my arms around you and not let go. Please stay. Don't leave. If I'd have known, it would have been so different. You would have left with a smile on your face. I still think about this day. That horrible night. Filled with missed opportunities. I didn't give you a perfect goodbye. Thank you. Also, sorry, it got a little bit deep. Perfect relationships and perfect times. Do they exist, Dave? Ooh, whammy. We're starting in very deep territory, aren't we? Um, well, they do, don't they? They do exist. They kind of come and go, don't they, I think? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's a, 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 at, the, at the moment, at this moment in time, it's definitely a, a time to reflect on those kind of perfect times in our lives, isn't it, I think? And uh, listening to Alice there, obviously that sense of loss. Um, is it something about the times that we're currently in, Alice, that's making you re revisit previous pieces of work or write the subjects you're writing about? Um, I think so, partly. Um, obviously, being in lockdown, I have found that I am reflecting on a lot, but also with my poetry, it is something that I focus, I focus a lot on my grief and I write about my dad. But it just happens that I'm sort of, I'm writing more and more as I'm thinking, thinking about him. Yeah, I really liked that, um, uh, the repetitive refrain of your, your dad deserves tears. It really yeah. emphasises the... Uh, well, I guess the, the terrible moment when you lose someone, but um, that, that repeating that phrase is uh, is a powerful tool, I think. Thank you. Alice, let's move on. Thank you for your input. Uh, great to have you starting us off like that again. Thank you very much. Uh, let's move on and invite our first um, guest poet. Up next, we have Megan. Hello. I have um, two poems today. One's a little bit longer and one's quite a bit shorter. So this first one um, is a little bit angry, quite angry for me, quite a placid person usually. Um, it's called Sinking Ship. I've woken up in the same bed with the same sheets, wearing the same clothes with the same heaviness of being alone. I keep hearing that we're all in the same boat and the vessel on which we rely is barely keeping us afloat. But there are people out there forced to tread water, whilst others sit with a captain choosing which one of us to send to slaughter. So some of us strike and call it political. And maybe it's just me being cynical, but you can clap to your hands a red roar. But really, they're lying when they say they can't feed the poor. And it's us against them, and now you know it. Crowds in disbelief that we're so close to the end. Smile at the kids if you really must pretend. But look after your neighbours. Solidarity is the only thing that can save us. Um, and then I have a second one, which is a little bit lighter. Um, I turned 21 last month, which was quite exciting. And um, yeah, I wrote this around my birthday, so here we go. At 16, I promised myself, by the time I turned 21, I'll have written a novel and ran to the sun. Conquered the hardest of battles, as a strong woman, released myself from painful shackles. I felt the pressure every day, weighed heavy on unmarked shoulders, unaware that life shouldn't really be lived that way. 
So as I wake up one year older, I take some of that weight right off my shoulders and remind myself that the great things in life happen when the time is right. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Megan. Some weight taken off your shoulders there. What, what stood out for you, Dave? Well, I do like an angry rant, I've got to say. Um, although Megan's angry rant, rant came across quite quite softly spoken and you know nicely enunciated. Um, so anger's maybe changed at the moment. Um, I love that last line in that piece, Megan, that solidarity is the only thing we uh, that will that can save us. Is that right? Solidarity is the only thing that can save us. Yeah. Yeah, very true indeed. Um, yeah, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your rant. It was great. Um, and then obviously our views of ourselves at a younger age of what we think we might be at 21. It's uh, I'm now thinking what I'll be at 65 if I make it. Um, <laughs> so we're always thinking about the, the future us, I think. Um, but it's always intriguing. Absolutely. Thank you. Actually, the other line that I really liked in Megan's piece was about was quite early on when she was talking about those people who were forced to tread water. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are... Um, I don't know if this was the meaning of the line. Hopefully I've made the right assumption, but there's, there's people who are being asked to do things that they, they might necessarily not choose to do, but they're, they're at the front line of kind of keeping everybody together. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely about the struggle of people who have been... who have no other choice but to struggle. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, thanks to that lot. <laughs> We're recording this in Mental Health Awareness Week as well. So, Megan, your, your work or your, your study, how does, that, how does a mental health um, impact upon uh, your work and your writing? Um, a great deal, to be honest. Um, my work in terms of uh, the volunteering I do and in terms of uni, um, obviously we work a lot around mental health difficulties and I deal a lot with um, clients who are struggling and struggle quite a lot more given the situations that they're in. Um, and I think in terms of my writing, a lot of it is more from personal experience of mental health problems. Um, and it's just cathartic and it's definitely a coping mechanism, a release um, to get that out. Writing is definitely, definitely a good way to sort your brain waves out, in my opinion. <laughs> I think if I'm honest, I'm really struggling because I'm a photographer, so I like to be out there. And I'm not the photographer that does, you know, pretty landscape scenes, that sort of thing. I like to roll my sleeves up, use a wide-angle lens and really get stuck in with the, the groups that I'm working with. And I'm desperately, desperately missing that at the moment. What is actually replacing some of that for me is the imagery that you writers, you poets are creating for me. So I know we are, we're only doing this every two weeks, but I'm listening and obviously I'm editing a lot as well um, in between. And the, the imagery that's been left with me um, for, from the last sort of four podcasts we've done together is really quite quite stimulating and um, giving me some sort of satisfaction, really, filling, filling that need for me to get out there and create imagery of my own. So thanks, Megan, for your input. Thank you. Alice. Um, up next, we have Tom. And uh, Tom, yeah, you've uh, you've been getting ready with all of your, um, some of the films that you've been making. Uh, you are, yeah, I have. Yeah, this is that, that's sort of part of my 
I've had to submit a lot of work um, in the last couple of days for my for my course. So my um, fine art course. Um, let's do a virtual exhibition. So the, I thought the videos would be a good way of sort of of doing that. So um, yeah, um, but it's it's all it's all submitted now. So I've got to wait wait off my shoulders. That's good. Yeah. So because I've been a bit busy, I'm a bit short of sort of sort of things that I've been written. So I've dipped into sort of the things that I've got lying around. Um, and one of the one one thing that I had from a while ago was about decisions. Um, it seemed to sort of it, it sort of leapt out at me a little bit. So it's called Janus Faced. So now, so now, so now I'm Janus Faced. So long, so long, my head's all over the place. It's wrong, it's wrong. So far from where I'm coming from. I'm doing the rounds of bars in sleepy coastal towns. A seat in the stalls to watch it all come tumbling down. It's gone, it's gone. So much for what I've slowly become. And Jane is faced, I'm looking back. It's enough to turn your head around. So now, so now, so now I'm Jane is faced. I'm looking for something gone without a trace. Now what's wrong, what's wrong, so near to where I'm crawling from? Lured and repelled by the most obvious end. The word in the bowels of hell is the devil wants to be my friend. So long, so long, it took so long to find out where I'm calling from. Sun Jane is faced, looking back, it's enough to spin your head around. The other one that I've got is is a sort of it's not really finished really. Um, but I thought it might be quite interesting to just give it a go and see what see what comes out of it. Um, we've talked a little bit on the podcast about the sort of processes that I have and I'm quite interested in that. So here we go. It might be, might be awful. It might be, uh, might be all right. So gripping and slipping away. And I tried all day to get you out of jail. Tried not to go back on the truth of a natural fact, kissing the feet of a saint. On being the recording angel, on turning to the inhalers, Keeping the gravity of that gaze, gripping and slipping away, to be reinvented in the moment. And I tried all day to get you out of jail. The past life we discussed melted down, dried out, turned to dust. All this refracting of characters within. Thank you. I love the imagery there of this uh, Janus-faced um, aspect, yeah, because um, I think a lot of us have come into lockdown in one direction uh, from one perspective, and, you know, we're perhaps stuck here, but we're beginning to leave in maybe a different, unexpected directions. You know, I came into lockdown from a photography career, and now I'm doing lots of podcasting, and it looks like I might be doing quite a lot of writing in the future. Um, so yeah, Jane has faced, you know, looking, looking back to where I've been and quite excited and looking forward to where I'm going. What about yourself, Dave? Hey, uh, <laughs> every time you ask me a question, I'm, I'm slightly thrown by it tonight. Maybe that's the current condition that I'm in. Well, you, should, um, you should know that they're coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sort of expected something from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just I was just caught up in listening to you to your um you know what what's going on at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean I'm, I'm not sure I'm directly answering 
the kind of point that you're making. But I, f- I, f- I feel like if we ever do come out the other side of this, that uh, uh, yeah, there's going to be some major differences. I think to how we behave. I've, I, I feel quite zen-like at the moment, um, which is unlike me. I'm usually quite arsy and irritable. I mean, there's a bit of that still, but. Um, yeah, just deep deep breaths are really important at the moment. I think. Anyway, Tom, I I do love a I do love a, a writer who I don't know. Obviously, we're we're all sort of lacking in self confidence, but someone who says I I've just dipped into some things that I've got hanging around and here's an unfinished piece, and then you read your work and it's quite magnificent and brilliant and really unusual and and um unlike quite a lot of things that that I hear at the moment. So nice one, man, I think, on that. It's just like really, really intriguing. Well, I, th- I actually thought Jaina's first, it sounds like a kind of song lyric, and I could imagine it being, you know, yeah, with a, with a kind of... Yeah, most of these are actually sort of uh, lyrics to songs. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know whether that... There's that thing about that lyrics don't really work as as poems so I'm sort of got to be in my bonnet about that trying to prove that maybe it might work in any which way you want you want them to I don't, I don't know I think it's I think it's good to challenge you know these these kind of sweeping statements that people kind of might might write off song lyrics as not poetry or as bad poetry that you know that people like yourself can challenge that and kind of come out swinging at, uh, at such stupidity really um, but I could imagine behind that Behind those words, a kind of velvet underground kind of dirge or something, but um, pow- powerful work. Thanks. Lead us on, Ellis. Lead us on. Up next, we have Catherine. Hello, Catherine, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you. Um, I've got three poems to read tonight. Um, the first is about my grandparents. Um, my grandparents are in their 80s. My granddad has been death throughout most of my childhood and recently it's got really bad, like you can't even hear the telephone ring. Um, it was recently his birthday and not being able to see him was really, really difficult because um, he, like, he wouldn't be able to hear a telephone call or have a video call. Um, and this poem is inspired by a conversation um, that I overheard my grandparents having before lockdown. He doesn't say much to anyone, sits in the rocking chair with a grin, looks to his wife to interpret most things. That's the definition of true love. Despite being deaf, his sweetheart's voice is clear. She calls questions which trigger memories You tell us where we sit should be a field with ponds and frogs and newts. You tell us half a century ago, you walked through the grass at night up to hemp dikes and you saw a floating gray cloud drawing near. You braved the spectre, it was a horse. I wonder if that horse lays underneath Barclay Field, mulching as Scotter Road birthed Marsden and Homefair and Dewsbury and Hebden, haphazard fractals on the horizon where there would be no space for horses. 
My granny shows us pictures from home. Half familiar faces stare out. Smiling people in a simpler time. The backdrop of each photograph missing the houses, the factories, the roads, which is synonymous in my mind with the industrial garden town. There were no streetlights. That Hempdyke's walk always taken in the dark to make sure that your sweetheart got home safe. The admiration in your voice when you say Granny knew the wildflowers, each one by name, makes me wish that I could have seen your scumthorpe, where ladies went to dances on bicycles and men knew how to waltz. Um, so, as being a poet, I'm an artist as well, and I've been looking for a way to sort of combine those two practices. At the beginning of lockdown, I was really struggling to find my words, so I started doing a thing called blackout poetry, which is where you take phrases from books and rearrange them into an order. And this is particularly focused on the, on the lockdown that we're all experiencing at the moment. I don't know how anything could be worse. What a world we live in. It's human nature. This moment comes with sacrifices. A red notice screaming over the internet before it was relayed through cyberspace. It's been in the news a lot. 182 countries, Italy and France, Eastern Europe, British old folks home, they ain't going anywhere. People are jealous out there creating unbearable havoc, frenzy of panic in every neuron, how haywire people think and act when they are terrified, their fear of showing ignorance almost unbearable. Them, not on us. Maybe sick, refuses to diagnose, heats up, lungs shaky, washing her hands at a sink. Two, a half, two and a half months since it hatched, ugly warnings, Law enforcement all around the world preached about safety. A grain of rice. You're not going to respond. Blank looks and shrugs. A maggot had joined them at the dinner table. A nice bowl of rice. Weeks would never pass. Each passing minute, insecurity. Eggs in a dead human body's mouth. The house. Hurry into a warm, dry place. It is an order. They gazed out the window. White daylight on the other side. Imagine the nightmare. God was taking pictures. Pass around the wallet-sized photograph. Pass around for all to see, and those pictures flash and vanish beneath black water. We can get a call. Feel acceptance. Give a gift. Her tears flow faster rubber bands in her mouth. Quips and gross-out jokes continue. Humour. Awkward silence follows. What was supposed to be? Stop believing in such nonsense. Mind lock ends with a dial tone. The dead are impatient. Arms crucifixion style, human bodies are bones in a well. Buried in a basement. Ancestors, comrades and friends got a tent in the body farm. The unwilling dead. No point in struggling. The red notice was issued. An envelope. The subject. Worn out warnings. 
we have to accept. You're going home. If you don't listen, it will get you if you let it. You may as well forget it. Like it's all a bad dream. Um, I've been delving into sort of my childhood as well during lockdown. It's kind of given me an opportunity to reflect on some things that happened to me, particularly at school. And that is about this. Sorry, this is about that. <laughs> she notices all that goes on around her. She has no place to hide but in her own silence. Childhood, she suffers humiliation, asks the question, why me? Her classmates start laughing. The joke is she. Fucking dyke, shut up, stunned stupid, sets off a slow-burning rage, begins to rumble like a distant storm much too loudly. Curtain's good, baby. She refuses. Had enough. Quit trying to fit in. Forgive herself and shed her little skin. Extreme of exhibitionism, defining the universe, a stronger validation. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. There's a lot there that Dave will um, unthread for us um, in a minute or two. But um, I'm interested in this idea that uh, many of you are, uh, you follow sort of multiple arts. You're not just writers, you might be visual artists and the like too. When you get up first thing in the morning, um, do you decide to be a writer? Do you decide to be visual? What, how, how, how does that sort of creative spark take you? I suppose you just sort of got to play with it. One of the reasons why I kind of started doing the piecing together of poetry from books is because I wanted to find a way to combine my practice. When you're an artist and a poet, you often get asked the question, but which one are you most? It's like, well, both. You're, you're both most. <laughs> Absolutely right. Dave, you're a man that can waltz, aren't you? I am a man that can waltz. Yes, I've written about my uh, dancing exploit, but I do love a dance. But um, yeah, just to kind of agree with what Catherine said there, I, I collect a lot of other art forms. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm good at much else other than making, but um, I certainly play musical instruments and um, mess about musical composition and other art forms as well. You know, I've been able to do a bit of sketching. But when the when the writing when the writing ceases to display, then I play with other art forms. So um, dance us through some of the imagery that Catherine came up with. Well, such a, a kind of wide breadth uh, of stuff there, I, I thought, um, particularly kind of moved by the by the first piece about grandparents and the death of granddad, which just reminded me of, um, I've not thought of it for so long, but my deaf nana, who used to live in Hornsby, seems to have had a relationship with her husband who was similar to your granddad and uh, Catherine, I thought. And, and that last line in there, I wish I'd known your scunthorpe, made me think of what I, I know that wasn't the main thrust of the piece, but I, when I think of scunthorpe now and I see it as a post-industrial place, and then what you said just made me think of what scunthorpe was before, what it is now. Absolutely, that's, uh, that's what I was trying to get across. Um, when my grandparents were young, the steelworks was only just really developing and becoming and and booming mm. and there was so much green and so much countryside and you would see horses in fields 
yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You just think now. Now, when I go to Scunthorpe, I'm in mean, the steel industry. It's all encompassing. And then the second piece you read, um, I really love that line. Um, how haywire people act when they are terrified. It just brought to mind everything that's going on right now when you're seeing people clamoring for things like toilet roll, but you know all the other selfish acts people are involved in. And that delve into childhood at the end always fascinating to kind of dig into yourself and what's wrong before I think. Catherine, thanks so much for your contribution. It's great to have a contributor from the South Bank too. Lovely to lovely to have you with us. Thanks. Um up next we have Esther. Hi yeah. Um so this first one's called uh, The Kiss. One of those nights I must have said nothing watching you smoke while I shivered, too drunk to talk, long since tired of sweating and dancing. You closed your eyes and swayed, your thin eyeliner chipped. Nothing to say, just watching another person be there, inside the circle. Throw away the tab and bury yourself in my arms, groaning from the headache. Now I'm swaying. I feel you breathing with me, laboured, exhausted from another evening, living as much as possible. You hold me back. When we kissed, every hour passed by, higher than an angel, brighter than all the suns. I knew you were smiling. All our world was a stage, lit by neon and cigarette ends. The Lady Anne, she dances still. Um, second one, it's called Managed Care. I think of Liz alone in her chair. The flickering lightness of her television, consumed with the hysteria of the age, funneled from the outside chaos into a panicked square on the other side of the room. Liz used to be trapped. The thick white calcite of four score years locking her bones, a tongue frightened to curl through words. I helped her breathe one or two relaxed sighs, and lapping up cake and custard, she kissed my hand. Thank you for visiting me in my prison. Does she sit there still? folded in her chair, a ticking clock timing the speech quivering from the television set with an unshared remote by her side. No voices from her generation asking to change the channel. Liz never saw the carers fix up a sling for someone else or hear them ask, it's good for you, you need your meds. Liz was, would have stared with her fascinated eyes. I think of Liz free in her prison, free from other people's choices, other people who've messed up said sorry. Now I have only my Liz, and they have said goodbye to theirs. And then the last one is Epode. The crow flew through the shadowy dawn. The frail robin nestled in his claw. He found a puddle on a rooftop and sat and touched water on the robin's saw, where a despairing mother had in her rage lashed a rock at the robin's song. He was saved by chance the crow flew past his compassion carefully spirited him along. The crow tenderly drew off the blood that twisted up the robin's feathers. As he did so, the robin peeked his weary eyes to see he and the crow together. I won't sing for them any more, he said. You were right, for all their talk of heart. The humans cannot be soothed or saved. I hope they stay in their lives apart. The crow let a drop roll down his beak, and the robin took a grateful sip. 
He could not face the crow's righteous stare as he rolled aside on his ragged hip. So what will you do without your cause? The crow began, triumphantly voiced. Did you never learn in all this time of sorrow that passions are not always a choice? But drawing blood is, for just a song, when they have heard me sing before, the robin stifled back a tear. Time to spend on my own life more. The crow tried to move his wing close by, in comfort, but the robin swatted it back. I bet you relish my just rewards, a punishment for foolish chores exact. The crow ruffled and clawed the stone. How close the robin cut his word. Even foregoing his frail saved life, it was the day the bitter truth was heard. Perhaps a time comes for even good tasks to change their course and in so find. Old ways don't work for newer woes. There is needed more a healing time. Robin looked up at the crow's long face, his dark eyes glistening in the grey light. Could a future work better with compromise and give him strength for a tougher fight? Thank you, my friend, for unusual help. In unusual times, it seemed quite plain. The two of them afforded a little smile as the quiet morning began to rain. Thank you. Dave, do you feel that you're you're getting to know people by by the imagery, the words that they're sharing? Yeah, I think that's always the case, isn't it, with writing? I think there's there's a, there's, a, there's obviously a, an undeniable side that people cannot pull back. Uh, however detached they might appear from their writing, they're exposing themselves, a little piece of themselves. And I think there's obviously a lot of uh, creative work that's coming out right now as a result of the kind of strange times we're living in that is, um, you know, people really exposing their um, fragility, I think. So that's probably why you feel as if you're learning more. But I think it's kind of what writers like those gathered tonight do, really. Is it even easier to write in this sort of lockdown? Um, well, I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's. I think the, the problem. The problem is that um, if you can't get out of the house to actually uh, interact with other people, you you really can't. Um, the the empathy that 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 you kind of use in your interactions with other people is quite important to writing. I think, and definitely kind of experiencing life outside of. A four walls and a desk, I think, uh, makes it problematic, really, when you, when you actually sit at your desk. I mean, you, the, the isolation's great from a point of view that you've got all this time on your hands and you can sit there and you can create and you can produce work. But then if you're not actually doing anything after that, the well, the well kind of gets drier and drier. So, uh, Dave, just going back to Esther's um, input this evening, what, what, what insight into... Esther's psychology, character, life, uh, do you think you've gained? Well, Esther might have to forgive me for what I'm about to say. Certainly, the, the work he writes for the crow and the robin, I'm petrified of that world. And um, there's a kind of sinister underbelly, and uh, hopefully that's your intention, Esther, but it's, it certainly feels dark and moody, and it's pulling me into a, a kind of place of, of, of fear. Yeah, um, it, it, uh, I must have done something a bit too effective to uh, make you think like that because that wasn't sort of like my my main intention. It was more to, but I suppose unconsciously, I guess if if that's what you know, I, I come out with, and then that's what other people read into it. I guess that's what 
um, is something that drives uh, why I write it. Um, I thought of writing that latest one as a kind of uh, conclusion to this kind of arc where the Robin had started singing um, in an effort to sort of cheer up the, the humans um, to comfort them. And it's he's, he's, he's carried on doing that. And there's been this sort of relationship between the two uh, characters where the crow's sort of like more cynical, the Robin's kind of this sort of naive, but um, well-intentioned person. And then it's sort of bounced back on him. But I've made it clear, uh, well, I hope I've made it clear that it's not personal. It was sort of like an outburst of emotion Mm. from someone else. Um, But it's had, you know, sort of like negative consequences. And the crows tried to play devil's advocate in a way um, to sort of say, actually, it's what you're doing is at heart probably a good thing. But the way that you're doing it might not necessarily be what is needed now it might have been at the start but you know as time goes on um and things and people change you know maybe you have to change your response as well you it feels like you've created a whole world there i think and um i, I do like that bird's eye view that you're giving us that insight and the, and the, the the first piece about the kiss where you're taking a kind of act of obviously ultimate romance you know kissing another human being and again just picking out little details there but the the cigarette ends and the tabs and things just give it a kind of quality of, I don't I can't quite think of the word that I'm looking for, but again, it feels quite dark, but in a really, like I mean it in a really positive kind of, um, you know, I'm responding to it, um, liking it, but it feels dark, like a dark underbelly. Yeah. Um, that, that first one is based on, um, my time at university when I had, uh, I was in a relationship and that was, it was basically describing what used to happen quite a lot when we would go for nights out and, um, my partner at the time, um, who smoked, you know, I would just sort of like wait outside and the, at the end of the night when we were both like really, really drunk and couldn't really speak or anything, you just sort of stand outside and you kind of loll about until you both decide to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought of, I was going to do something else about my problems with alcohol instead, but I switched it to the kiss at the last moment, just because I thought, for me, that's something very positive. Um, it might come across as as, as dark, um, but for me, that's something very positive. It's, it's a very beautiful thing for me to remember, um, even though it happened a very, very long time ago, but things like that. And I, sp- I, I suppose, you know, when you were talking about it's the lockdown change things um in the way that you know we work as as artists or whatever yeah i think so because i was thinking about this the other day i was in the weeks before lockdown i was actually writing about a subject that i felt like i had something to say for the first time for for ages um so i was writing about it and then all of a sudden when this happens that focus shifts onto onto the whole life focus shifts onto doing something else and it's like I don't want to go back to that subject because I don't want to write it in the frame of mind that I'm in now. Mm. I don't want to, you know, sort of write something that I might think, well, that's not how I wanted to say it. So I kind of shelved it and focused on this at the moment. Um, there is, there is good and bad. I think there's a lot of, I think the ambiguity is quite difficult to deal with at the moment. Mm-hmm. You always leave us with so much to think about Esther. Thanks again for your contribution this evening. Thank you. Alice, um, where are we going next? Uh, Up next, we have Rebecca. 
Thank you, pal. <laughs> no worries. If podcast, you finally managed to actually get me on one. She's been asking me to do one <laughs> ever since the first one. <laughs> <laughs> been a nightmare, mate. Um, no, I've, been, I've been terrible at it. Yeah, I just... Yeah. <laughs> Glad to have you on. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Um, I have two poems that were written. They were both written long before lockdown. I haven't been that productive during lockdown. I, I did. I have got a half-finished poem, but I think I'm going to hopefully finish it and maybe uh, read it on another podcast if I get my act together. Um, so the two that I'm going to do, uh, the first one uh, is based on an incident that happened last Christmas and I was uh, walking around Beverly Market uh, and it's called Pheasants Are Friends Not Food. It's very unpleasant to be faced with a pheasant hanging dead by his neck from a rail. A grotesque display, a barbaric array of pairs of these birds, not for sale. They hang by their necks, still displaying the flecks on their plumage, the colour of stones, of emerald, sapphire, of rubies aflame, concealing their dead flesh and bones. I was eating a quiche with ingredients quite niche egg substitute and vegan cheese and buying a present when I brushed past the pheasant swaying backwards and forth in the breeze. A sadness took hold as the scale did unfold of the massacre meeting my eyes. Six braces of pheasant with dead stares incessant and broken necks bore their demise. I don't think I could kill a bird in cold blood. I've loved them for all of my life. The glorious ascent that they represent holds them back from my fork and my knife. Oh, to be a bright pheasant, no antidepressant, no music, no movement, no words, nor a Sunday lunch roast will ever come close to the marvellous freedom of birds. Uh, my second poem I actually wrote in the uh, break between the first and second half of An Away With Words, <laughs> so I, I <laughs> which is a, a local open mic uh, poetry night in a hall, um, and one of my friends had posted um, an army recruitment poster that she'd seen. Um, up uh like posted up and it just was the oddest thing um, I have it here to show to the chat and I'm gonna describe it for the podcast so I don't even know if you can see that properly but that is that is a woman's well various women's leg parts of women's uh legs segmented and the tagline is Confidence can be sprayed on for a week or two, or it can last a lifetime. Army, be the best. Uh, and I just couldn't really get my head around what that was trying to say and the many, many 
issues with that and um so I just cracked this out in five minutes and then I got up and read it and sometimes these things come to you quickly and sometimes they take months and this was a quick one so this one's called be the best you can brown your skin with a can of fake tan or out in the desert with a gun in hand you'll get a healthy glow from uv tube lights or wait for the bombs to end your fights confidence can be sprayed from that pressurized can or sprayed from the artery of a dying man Focus your vision on your squeeze for the night or catch an enemy soldier in your sniper gun sight. You could be out dancing and having some fun, but why be so vain when there's wars to be won? So kick off your heels and lace up your boots. Leave that dress on the floor and put on your army suit. Abandon the murder on the dance floor and take up your arms on a far distant shore for queen and for country. For God and for man, go bring ballistic peace to the people of Iran. Thank you. Isn't it interesting how an experience or a vision for one person uh, can be joyful and for another person something of horror? What do you think, Dave? Which side... Do you fall on? Are you a pheasant man? <laughs> well, I think my vegetarian child would probably resent me if I came out uh, siding with the people who were stringing up the uh, races of pheasants. <laughs> so I'm definitely on the side of the pheasant. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely uh, loved that. That Well, I love both pieces there, um, Rebecca, but I uh, absolutely love your, the, the rhyming scheme and the metre of... of uh, Pheasants a friend, not food. It, I mean, it was it was quite dark subject matter, as the comedian Ben Elton used to say before he did a joke about Thatcher, a little bit of politics. Um, uh, obviously, there through your work, but I, it, it just for su- such a serious point that you were making about the repulsive nature of pheasants hanging up in a in a marketplace um, in a flat flying in the face, if you'll excuse the pun. Of, of the marvellous freedom of birds, um, it, it came across because of the rhyming scheme and the meter, like re, a, a quite a jocular piece, really. So it was like just brilliantly entertaining, but you make a really good point, as you do with the, the piece about that ridiculous um, army recruitment post. <laughs> um, you know, it's obviously a hard, hard hitting words, um, a ridiculous image that you're pulling together, and um, but you do it with confidence and humour as well. So it's great, it's great that you're kind of tackling these serious subjects, but in a way that's not kind of hitting someone just over the head with it. You're actually thinking about also how to entertain people. I think I, I guess, as a musician, I am kind of a natural performer. I've been doing it a long time. And so, yeah, as a performer, yeah, I, I do... I, I guess it's natural to kind of think about it as entertainment um as well and I think you know a lot of people don't want to be confronted with doom and gloom all the time because it's too much like people can't handle so much of it I think you need to kind of add a bit of levity to 
your your words and obviously not to make light of the situation but if you can you know a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down and I think if you can have a bit of um it's it's sort of like tension and release isn't it you need that release in order to kind of get the tension across I guess yeah but um both pieces right we made brilliant brilliant points but they made so well well I can't believe it's taken you until episode five to join us Rebecca uh, thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your contribution tonight. I found that entertaining, and actually, I quite liked that recruitment poster. But moving <laughs> onwards, um, I think we might just have time uh, for a brief um, contribution by Emily. These two pieces are quite short pieces for me, but they are sisters to a third piece that is quite quite inappropriate for this medium, so I won't be reading that one. But but um they are all about femininity and uh difficulties and triumph with femininity and um the the first one in particular is is prompted by lockdown and it's called Mother Nature's on her period. Mother Nature's on her period. Now that's the thing. Father's time has recoiled back into hibernation because the world's population has left his head in a dazed spin. Joy has ceased, sorrow inescapable. The world has transformed itself into its puberty-raged, rebellious, semi-apocalyptic teenager stage. The grandmother that resides in my bones and blood, my stories I recite to the ones I love, will incorporate with its villainous thunder, cackle, crack, baby kicks. And back in my day, we faced the real... 2319 horror. That's right, Octavia. That these concepts generally live in your nightmares, my sweet. I was there. Mother Nature was in agony and the world wasn't sympathetic to her rightfully valid cries. So she grounded the little dipshits that called her, her natural dual home. Mother Nature's on her period. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of you, Emily, and I know that because I've come quite close on a number of occasions. <laughs> um, I wouldn't advise it now. <laughs> you'll end up in a poem. Uh, yeah, you'll end up in a poem. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, like, obviously, two really intriguing, interesting, and original pieces about femininity. There, um, Emily, I'm really intrigued, and what a tease for this sister piece that's completely inappropriate for this medium. Um, I I need to read it. I need to see it performed. I want to see the film version of it. I think we're we're going to need a watershed podcast, aren't we? <laughs> It's not that bad. It's just, it's just a very, it's a very adult subject. I'm shocked.
Oh, blimey. Lots of imagery again this evening. Uh, so massive thanks, Alice, for starting us off and for drawing the team together so wonderfully, as you always do. Uh, to Megan, Tom, Catherine, Esther, Rebecca and Emily, thanks for all your contributions. We've danced through loads of different themes and I'm sure we will do again in a future podcast. If you've been listening into this, you've been listening to A Hull Is This and Yada Yada co-production. Um, there are going to be future recordings that you can uh, join in with. You will find Yada Yada on Twitter at Yada Yada Open Mic. Uh, you'll also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Yada Yada Spoken Word. Alice, where will people find Hull Is This? Uh, Hull Is This on Facebook. That's the name. And Hull Is This on Twitter. That is the name. <laughs> You'll find the you will you will find Hull is this at Hull is this across all the social media and on the main Absolutely. website. Absolutely. Thanks once again for joining us for this uh, poetry podcast, this spoken word podcast. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, keep washing your hands, stay alert, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye for now. <laughs>